Hi, it's Paul Camillos. Welcome to Series 5 of Shooting the Breeze. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin as we talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. This marks the start of our fourth year of covering women's hoops and women in hoops. And throughout the series, we welcome experts like Lyndon Moore from New Zealand and other special guests from across the world to get a global picture of the game. During this series, we'll take a closer look at the grassroots and the passionate people at the community level. And of course, the 30th edition of the FIBA Women's Asia Cup was recently held in Sydney, where the Opals took bronze and Asia's best players put on a show. Hit that subscribe button, and to show your support, rate and leave us a review on iTunes so we reach more listeners. We've got Kiwi players coming home to play. Mm. We've got international stars that are about to be announced. We've got WNBA drafted players coming to play. I mean, it is an amazing opportunity for Kiwi basketball. Uh, look, I'm just really pleased for our program and for, for the nation that we're actually here at this point. So more than anything else, I think it's a, it's a real celebration for us and something we've worked very hard to get. If we're trying to compete with, like I said, the top 16 teams, we need to have a domestic league just to keep the engagement and this kind of feel of these tournaments alive. So I'm super excited to be a part of it. It's the second of our three-part series on the Tawihi League with New Zealand expert Lyndon Moore and returning guest Maya Williamson, who, since our last episode, has stepped up to a role as assistant coach with the mainland Puakai. In this episode, we get into the current standings ahead of Round 7 as the league hurdles towards playoffs in what's been an unpredictable season. It's also great to hear about the rising local talent with some impressive performances from young up-and-coming athletes alongside quality imports. Always a great laugh with this Kiwi duo. Make sure to listen out for Maya's take on player cardboard cutouts. But one of the biggest takeouts is the extensive community outreach and engagement that every club has brought to the regions across New Zealand. Both Lyndon and Maya share their profound impact they've witnessed during this season. It's the last two rounds on the road to Toihi Finals. Enjoy. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. And we're going across the pond to New Zealand, where we're joined by Lyndon Moore and Maya Williamson. We're going to be talking about the Toihi League, which is heading into its seventh round for the season, uh, getting down to the pointy end. Things are getting interesting. And we've also got some interesting news to talk about with Maya as well. But first of all, welcome, Linda and Maya. Great to have you back. Always happy to be back. Always a pleasure. And Maya, as always, great to see you. The like Kiwi duo, back at it again. <laughs> Can't be stopped. <laughs> Absolutely not. So before we get into talking about the Tawihi League, let's just take a second because some stuff's happened for you, Maya. You are now on the coaching staff for the Puakai. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm really close with Josh Thompson, who's obviously the head coach of the Puakai, and he talked to me at the start of the season and wanted to get me on board, um, partially for my own development, to have some girls in there, um, and just because I'm an up-and-coming coach, I suppose, and it's cool for me to be able to get some kind of exposure into a professional environment. 
And then obviously with the um, step down of Cam Wilson, I've managed to kind of slide my way higher up in the bench, which is pretty cool. But yeah, it's it's been epic and like it's really different to everything that I've ever been involved in because it's a professional environment. But yeah, I've really enjoyed it so far. Can I just jump in and say Maya's a natural and she blended in so well. Uh, um, <laughs> same though, like you have the composure and you know, like you can tell you know what you're doing. Um, and just seeing you on the bench was really cool. So for real, congratulations. Like that's oh, phenomenal. Stop it. Stop it. Making me blush. <laughs> See, this is the time when we need video. Yeah, that's true. No, I'm glad we don't. <laughs> and the other thing that uh, the Puakai is, is doing is you got a new signing coming on board shortly. Yeah, so we have let go of Natasha Mack for injury reasons. She'll be going home to rest and rehab before she goes and plays a season in Turkey. Um, and in place of her, we have signed Nat Burton, who's just come off her NBL one season. Yeah, she's going to be a great addition. I've heard she's a really great person, uh, played for the Opals, so obviously can't be too unhappy about that kind of talent. Oh, absolutely not. And, you know, we've had her on the podcast as well. She is a great person and I think going to make a really interesting impact for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're really excited to have that kind of leadership and experience uh, and that kind of physicality as well. Uh, and we've also signed Ash Tyre, who has come in from also an NBL one season, I believe. The Thunder. Yes, yeah. And then obviously had the 3X3 tour just before coming here. Uh, Tolfern, so that's obviously another great addition just to try and get us some wins and momentum before we head off to playoffs. It was Thanks really cool to see Ash and Nat as the announcements because I had kind of picked up a little bit of gathering that Ash was probably on the way, but I had no idea about Nat. And so to see that signing was, like you said, my for all those reasons that you listed, Nat's such a great addition. And yeah. I think for the way that the Polk have been working together to get you know, through what's been probably a surprising season, those two signings are most certainly welcome and amazing that you don't yeah. secure them. Yeah, Ash Ty has been in in the talks uh, since the start of the season. We just knew that she wouldn't be available until this tail end. Um, but the, the Natasha Mack situation was one where we had to act pretty quickly, um, be pretty adaptable, and then we just got in contact with people that we know in NBL one and. It was. It happened in a very short time frame, but it's pretty cool that we can that she's willing to come over, and yeah, we're pretty excited to have her. And I'm pretty sure Toti is pretty excited to see her as well. There's been, yeah, I mean, just adding to the list of names, eh? Uh, yeah, seriously, it's this year it's a pretty crazy league. Phenomenal. Yeah. Like if you look at a macro level, it just even I have to sometimes step back and just kind of look at like you know this is what the level play is. Obviously, it's raised. But the type of people and the quality of folks who are coming in, both New Zealand and international, yeah, and Australians too, feel like mm. Australians over here uh, in the second season, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, and look, speaking of Australians, you've got Tess Magin playing over there as well. And just yeah. before we started recording, we were talking about that, and I think the number that really surprised me was she suited up for two games, and as we said before, she's averaging twenty-one and a half a game it's like that's phenomenal she's i mean she's somebody that i've noticed that when she just kind of walks in the room and i even kind of felt like this is possible when we were at the team's <laughs> event uh, back at asia cup yeah when she was there uh, on the panel like the room just kind of shifts 
Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's just her energy, her presence. I think what I've been hearing from around the Kahu camp and in general is her professionalism. And of course, I showed up early to the Foggy on Thursday night, and who was the first one out there? You know, just disciplinary. You know, getting her shots up. Test matching. I mean, she was phenomenal. And then she walks up, but she's such a good leader. And you know, like you said, Paul, you know, she can average twenty one and a half, but she's also able to. She brings people together. Yep. And she inspires others to, you know, the young ones to do the same. And, you know, but when she's needed, she steps up oh, and absolutely. she doesn't complain. She doesn't sweat. She just goes for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So look, let's talk about what's been happening in the league since we talked about it, you know, which was very early on, I think like first or second round. So let's talk about what has surprised you guys about the way this season's unfolded so far. Ooh. I did not expect Hoi Ho to come out and be the leading team for the first few rounds. Last year they struggled a bit. They were the team that didn't make the playoffs. And then they just came out and absolutely dominated everyone. So I was I was pretty taken aback by that. Yeah, I agree with that. I knew for I had a feeling at the beginning of the season that of course anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And you never know what's gonna shape out to be, and depending on you know injuries, you know whatever it is on paper, they've done really well. I had a feeling this year was gonna be a kind of a rebuild year. Uh, it certainly has been, but Ashton Prechtel has been phenomenal. You know, sheesh. But they're definitely, I mean, dare I say, contender based on right mm-hmm. now. But I think honestly, just in general, I think the competitive balance. I knew it was gonna be probably closer than it was last year because last year it was kind of the top two all you know who were kind of hovering most of the way and then you had like yeah. the middle and then you had the hoi ho so it was kind of you know but i think just honestly the way the pace and the way people are creeping up and you on paper you might see one favored to win and then on the night the other team just goes out and shocks them absolutely and i stopped guessing on any predictions because i get half of them wrong yeah, it's true though. Like it's just been like the way the standings have gone. I think three teams have been top of the ladder um, out of five, which is in seven rounds. It's pretty impressive, and it's just been like every game has been competitive for the most part. And I think too, like I think with the imports, I think there was a standard that I and some of them I was familiar with. Uh, and I think somebody that I definitely want to touch on was Michaela Cowling from the five. Yeah, but she has been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, I think she comes out with that sweater and that confidence, but she can, she backs it up. Yeah. Um, and for the five to, you know, every team does, they have their ups and their downs and they're figuring it out. Um, I wasn't quite sure where they were going to be in the pack this year. Uh, they were kind of my question mark, so to speak. And, but Michaela's just completely lifted them to another level uh, and having, obviously, the supporting ats, you know, with McKenna Dale and um, some of the others. It's been, and how many close games they've had, Maya, you have experienced that. Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess, again, like the biggest shocker for me is kind of just, I didn't realize I guess, how close they'd be. And I guess mm. now I have a complete question mark. I have an idea kind of now toward the pointy end of the season of where we might end up, but I was not expecting to be this unsure. I know. And you <laughs> really just even know, like, especially with injuries and everything, like there's so many games where you're like, could that have gone another way? If this person had played and like, you don't know what's going to happen now that people are healthy and who's going to get injured. It's really up and down. Um, but like you said, with the fight, I think what's also really cool about them is 
they have a really good young group as well. So they're really well balanced. Like their imports are really good. Michaela Cowling has been consistently outstanding, averaging 21.6 points. But they also have really good young girls. Like they're rapid league. They're kind of playing rapid league. How are you actually supposed to play rapid league? Um, they do, yes. They have three Tauranga girls, high girls playing in their rapid league and playing minutes for the Fi in the Toehi games. Like, it's just really cool to see that overall development. They're obviously competitive in the Toehi League, but they've also got this other side of development happening for the upcoming girls, which is really cool. I do want to say shout out to the Fi because what they've been doing in terms of their model and Maya, like the way you said that, they are playing rapid league the way that I guess you're supposed to be playing it because what they've also put a, a big emphasis on is the academy players and they're really making an effort to go out in Rotorua, Taranga and surrounding areas to build up that talent because their whole vision is to bring through the next generation. And they've got some young ones that, you know, I know Guy Malloy has been watching yeah, um, and Polly is one of them. Yeah. Um, and so I'll tell you, you know, last week when she and Bailey Flavel were playing uh, in that matchup, against the Kahu, I mean, you're looking at the future of basketball right there. Absolutely, yeah. So you mentioned something about you know, them going out into the regions to scout new players. One of the things that the league was aiming to do was get the games out to the regions as well, get it away from the big centres. How has that kind of worked out for the league, you know, now that you're kind of nearly through the first two seasons? I can speak to that a little bit just because I've been on the ground for a part of that um, in terms of so the Kahu, I would say they've done a really good job and the other teams, I know that the Hoiho have gone to Queenstown and Maya, I'm interested to hear your perspective. The Kahu, I, they've done a phenomenal job. You know, the management, that's something that they really value is going out into the community and spreading their wings, I guess, not pun at all, so no pun intended, <laughs> uh, so to speak, in terms of reaching who they can with the team. Now, part of they were sort of forced to do that. They were forced out of Event Finder Stadium, uh, formerly North Shore Event Center, because of the Oakland flooding back in January. And the Event Finder had to be redone. So they were kind of, in a way, they were pushed out and to go up. And I'll tell you, one of my favorite games of this entire season, I have two that will stick in my memory for good, involving the Polkai by coincidence. But <laughs> the first one was um, the Fongaray game. Mm. It was phenomenal. Like, that was probably one of my favorite games I've ever been to because it was basically just one giant family reunion, but you had um, (laughs) could go on further this list of family trees that was happening, but (laughs) it was, like, seriously. um, Auntie is who. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it was. Um, And I learned about that, you know, a bunch of people who were related to each other that I had no idea about, but it was (laughs) just, um, tell you, a moment that really stuck out. Um, I was at Mackay Stadium a couple hours before tip-off, um, I was helping set up the management. Everybody had, you know, the decals and everything and the chairs set out. And it, it looked like a basketball game was about to happen in a couple of hours' time. And there was a little boy, and he looked at his dad. He's like, oh, my God, Dad, is like, there a basketball game happening? Is it real basketball? And the dad's like, it looks like it is. And somebody from the coffee turned around. They're like, yeah, like, we're playing tonight. And the kid, like, looked at his dad longingly. Like, can we please come? Because, you know, not much proper basketball outside of the social stuff or the rep stuff happens up there. Yeah. And so that was just to see, it was so cool to see in the reception and like just everybody after coming down to see the players and on both teams, it was just like that went really well. And then on Franklin too, uh, probably the farthest out of South Auckland you can get away with, with also calling it Auckland. Um, they've had some partnership with Franklin to go down there and have some games, and that also has a homing feel. So I think they've done a, you know, the Kahu have done a phenomenal job of it. There was good engagement 
and you know they're back home at event finder on sunday uh so so i'm gonna miss seeing them out there you know kind of traveling Mm. a little bit i think for them it's gone well there was a lot of learning from it but you know they still played good basketball and i think for the team that they've been evolving into you know people just enjoyed it and i think it was one of those things that people are going to remember yeah I agree. Like you said, the Kahu playing in Whangarei and Franklin and then the Queens playing in Porirua, the Hoiho playing in Queenstown, and the finals are actually in Porirua this year, which is just, just out of Wellington, and it's not a huge town. But like you said, like the example with the little boy, it just shows it's just bigger than basketball, and it's cool to see this professional environment and professional league being taken to smaller towns because yeah like you said it extends that it pushes the exposure but it also just shows that they're not just basketball players you know like the people too and they're really connecting with everyone which is really cool there was a girl that was at um playing under 15s and she's from rotorua i know she and some of the her teammates they ended up going to the fire and you know there's been a lot of really good engagement Mm. And like my great point with Porto Lua because and so I didn't realize that some of those players, you know, like Grace Hunter, she's from out there. Mm. Uh, and then also like Tegan Graham, you know, she played a lot of her high school ball out there, you know, and eight years later she's back. And, you know, and, and for those Wellington girls, I mean, just for everybody. And it looks like the Queenstown, there was a really good reception down there for the Hoiho. You think that the fact that these teams are going out to these smaller centers and it's giving kids especially the opportunity to see hey, you know, we can actually play basketball in a league like this. Do you think that's going to help grow the game? Because my understanding is that, you know, basketball is very popular, but, you know, as soon as you start getting into those more regional areas, it's still very rugby-centric. Yeah, that's true. Like, rugby has been New Zealand's most dominant sport for so many years, it's hard to undo something like that. But I think... If kids can go to such a great environment and see not only the level of basketball, but just, again, the co-atmosphere that it creates, I think that is really inviting and appealing for kids, especially young girls watching older girls play. Like, you can just tell how inspiring it is for some of them. Like, at the Polakai game on Sunday, I'm looking around and, like, there's so many young junior and senior high school players watching and they're consistently there at each home game. And I think it's really cool because it gives them something really tangible to look up to as well. You know, you can always watch the WNBA on the TV, but seeing your own professional league in your own country, it's really tangible. And then the, I don't know, I haven't seen a lot of community work from other teams just because I haven't paid enough attention to it, but the park I do a lot of in-school coaching. So a lot of our players each week go multiple times in schools and coach even just for a lunchtime with the girls. And you can just tell, like, the girls absolutely love it because, you know, these are like these big celebrity ladies and, like, it's just really cool for them. And I think, yeah, it really, they're doing a really good job at inspiring the younger generation of girls. It's, I'll tell you, my, I think all the teams do a really amazing job of yeah. community engagement. You know, all five teams are phenomenal and they make it a priority. And, I mean, I think New Zealand's such a unique situation because you're right, Maya, that, you know, anyone can watch the WNBA. But New Zealand, I mean, it's just so great because, you know, these people are in your backyard. And I saw a moment, somebody sent me a photo from the game on Sunday. You know, it's one of the players who was used to be a coach at one of these, at a high school that these girls were from. Mm-hmm. And when they find out, found out that she was there, you know, just this person I was talking to, they said, you know, the girl's face is just lit up. Yeah. And to see, like, this is a viable pathway. And they're right down the road. And look what, you know, look what basketball can do for you. And, you know, it just seems like, and the opportunities you have to do it. And that's why I love to pull a guy to lunchtime sessions, the school holiday stuff. They're all doing a really good job of that and making sure that the community feels welcome and, you know, that this is their team too. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's like super tangible for them and they feel 
they feel so connected i think because it's they're just really good at integrating with the community and not being above anybody else like it's just their people too which i think is probably the most like connecting thing obviously i love the sport of basketball but i think that's well i'm gonna say again the ambassadorship part of it um because of classic london yeah classic. <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's what it is though and to watch them and that's probably one of my favorite things about going to the games is just seeing that one-on-one interaction i sure there are mixed feelings from different people on it but you know they have i know the paul guy do it i saw the Fi do it i know the kahu do it i'm sure others do as well like the queens and stuff but they do like the the cardboard cutouts um <laughs> of players oh, that's just so funny I, I always think it's real people for a second it trips me out <laughs> <laughs> we went to Robbie's for dinner the other day and, and Buster's cardboard cutout was in the corner. I was like, oh, Buster's here. And she was just standing in the corner, like staring. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> I was so confused. But they, I mean, they bring it to life. And I think, you know, they all do a good job of the fan experience and just really making it something that you want to go to. Do you think that the quality of the imports have come in as well? actually helps in building that concept of there's a pathway for you because, you know, it's not just New Zealand players. We've actually got people coming in from overseas. We've got people coming from Australia, from the WNBL, and they're all coming to play here. You think that also helps to build up that concept of there's a real pathway here for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, if they hear, oh, these players have played really high-level WNBL or these people have come over from America playing WNBA, like – that's just such an attractive viewpoint. And then the fact that they come up and they just play such electric basketball, like it's, it's so exciting for anyone to watch, let alone young girls who can kind of see themselves in those shoes. And even if they don't comprehend necessarily right away, whatever the league is that some of these imports have played in, the seed has been planted. Yeah. And they know it's whatever it's called, whatever country they're in, they know it's a high level. And they know they see there's visibility on you want know, this basketball is a career choice. Should I choose it to be? Um, then the college pathways talked up a lot, but you know this is another route to go. And even if someone like the NBL won, this is an option. Hmm. And you know at least they have an idea of it, and the concept is there. So I, yeah, I I agree. I think there's something to be said for that. Moving back to the league and what's been going on. Out of all the players that you've seen across the whole season, have there been some real standout local talents that kind of looked at across the season and gone, wow, they've really stepped up, they've really developed this season, they've really stood out? Basically, we're trying to scout the opposition for the next time the Opals are playing the Tall Ferns. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to jump in. I think... The ones I've, Zoe Richards, she's really improved this season. I think she's made that step up from last year into, you know, more of a role player this year. I think that European season definitely helped. You know, Retoria Tamil, I think Bailey Flavel, I would say just some of those young ones, the Poakai ones that I'm now really familiar with, um, with Lauren Winokur, Kavana Lenny. And my, you'll, you can speak better to those than I can, but they've seen, like, at least from my broad point of view, they've jumped up. And then, you know, Polly and some of the five, you know, the younger five players as well. You know, just basically, I would say almost all the DPs, mm. they're making that leap from whatever it was. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I would say it's easy to point out, you know, like the Panitas and stuff. And absolutely, I think, it, you know, she's done so much great for, you know, so much good for the league. Um, and she's brought so much. But I think that was the expectation going in. So yeah. 
you know, I would say Zoe and then some of the younger ones. Yeah, I, I agree. The DPs have been pretty outstanding. Like, for me, the most impressive DPs have been Lauren Whitaker has been really impressive. The fact that she can also match the physicality of some of the older girls. Like, she played... She actually is. I know. She's 17 years old, and she played 27 minutes against the Kahoo, and she had to mark Panina and Amari Thomas, wow. who are women and have played in many professional environments. 10 points... Seven rebounds, five assists, something like that. Like from a seventeen-year-old in a professional environment, it's pretty class. I've been really impressed with Zoe as well, and Samara Gallagher also from the Hoi Ho. I really yeah. like um, what she brings to the table, and she's just such a great hustle player and leader. And that's really cool to see that kind of local talent still be somewhat of a leader and facilitator in a in a team that has some really talented imports. I had someone else in my head. Hmm. Tegan Graham, I think she's been really cool. Oh, that's another one too, Tegan. Yeah, and yeah. Being able to be a leader again in a team with some really strong imports is pretty cool. Seeing her come back home, it's always really cool to see them return after playing elsewhere for so long. And you can tell kind of her experience too from the two college programs she was in. For those listeners who may not be familiar, she was at Colgate and then at BYU. Uh, so she's had two different styles of basketball there and then came back. Yeah, and I think for the Queen, for the season that they've had, I think I didn't quite know where to put them um, after last year. I think some people were maybe expecting them to repeat. Could they? Yes. But I think it's, you know, it's anybody's game. But, you know, for the season that they've had, you know, Tegan, and I think she's growing into her own. I think it took a little while to kind of figure out the footing, to kind of figure out where she fits in alongside the imports. And, you know, people like Crystal and Carr is really good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you bring Maya Dodson. But, you know, I think Tegan's starting to come into her own. And it's been really fun to watch. And um, we are getting to that pointy end of the season. And I'm, I'm looking at the table, and it's kind of interesting. The top three, they're really close. Mm-hmm. The poor guy's in at number four. Obviously, the win-loss record for the poor guy is, I'm guessing, not what you'd really want. Not ideal. No. no that's, that's a way to describe it. <laughs> How do you think, and I mean, I know it's early stages and there's lots that can happen. How is this final four going to play out? Because there is... The wild card, which is the Rapid League and the yep. point you pick up for a win in the Rapid League. I mean, I've got a Poirkai's perspective because that's what I've been involved in. Yeah. Um, for like everything from here on out is just must win. We're getting back to the stage where we're fully healthy and that's we know that we can do some damage. You have to take it on the chin. It's been a really rough, messy season so far, but you just have to, like I said, take it on the chin, move on, and everything from here on out is definitely must win. I wouldn't be surprised if teams continue to do what they've been doing with Rapid League. If you can win three points in a night, that really works in your favour for the playoffs. And and at the end of the day, it's a professional environment, so you're trying to get as many wins and points as you can to be in a favourable position for the playoffs. But, yeah, I don't know, Lyndon, what's your take? I think we're going to see a bit of Rapid League stacking. <laughs> yeah, and actually, uh, Maya, as you were talking, I'm when we talked about players, just circling back to the conversation about the players and who stood out, i got to mention Kennedy Leonard and what her work has been doing, the assist machine. Oh, my gosh. I, I It's a pleasure to watch her play basketball. Like That's what I'm going to say on that. Like She is just yeah. so fun to watch and very calm, very composed, and I think her experience is going to help a lot. It's going to be tough. I would not. I agree, Maya, with what you said about the Rapid League. Um, I don't see, you know, there's been a strategy that teams have been working throughout the season with crunch time. I don't see why they would stop now. 
Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't face it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the toe heat as it is in the standings, um, right now I kind of have the four in my head who are going to go, but anything could happen in the last couple of rounds. I agree I, that for a guy that they have, it's a must win. <laughs> Uh, I mean, every team is going to have, you know, their ups and their downs. I think everybody's been equipped to deal with them differently. You know, I would say if, you know, Imari and Panana are still healthy and, you know, Tess is all good and fire on all cylinders, I think the Kahu, their path is looking clearer. Yeah. Um, there's been no confirmation of Talia Tupaya still ruled in or ruled out. So there may be that injection, depending on how things go on that end and if they do bring her in and when. But honestly, I'm watching the Polokai with keen eyes because the way they've been going. The I know I'm just literally saying because I think, like you said, Maya, you guys have been rattled with injury and other circumstances that weren't necessarily planned. And with the signings you guys got coming in, I wouldn't sleep on them. Absolutely. And I would say it's going to be Kahu in no particular order. Kahu, Queens. We'll see how the other teams go. Maybe there's a dramatic slip in one of them but uh, i just gotta say like you never know right like that's no. the league is so close and competitive you you really don't know what's going to happen in the next few rounds um my opinion i agree i think the kahu and the queens are probably pretty safe considering the way they've consistently performed and um they've been pretty healthy which is always helpful but for the last yeah two spots I feel like it could be relatively interchangeable yeah. and it really all comes down to how these teams perform against each other um, and perform against the Kyle and the Queens in the next few weeks. But I'd say, yeah, Kyle and the Queens, I would book their tickets now. But, yeah, I think the last the last few spots are definitely going to be close and competitive, which is perfect because it's exactly what the league should be. Yes. But you just, it's so unpredictable. Like, yeah, I, Linda, like, think, yeah I'm going to... money on it. That's all I say. Don't, don't put your money on it. Absolutely. And I think Kyle and Queens for sure... The others are going to be, you know, I would not be surprised if the guy ended up in there. But I'm thumb up right now to that. <laughs> Double thumbs up. <laughs> but honestly, I, I'm gearing up for a major surprise. Yeah. Now, who that surprise is going to be or what it's going to be, I don't know yet, but I feel it brewing. And it's going to be, I feel like there's going to be some form of jaw-dropping moment at the end of the season. And if yes. we get to the final form, we're like, <gasps> Holy moly. And if y'all aren't tuning already, then you should. I can't wait. So that's how it's probably, I feel that's how we're going to end it, but I'm not, you know, can't be too soon. <laughs> May, you mentioned that you've had a lot of injuries. How badly has, has the poor guy been hit with injuries? Gosh, where's the list? Oh, um, like that. Yeah, we've had, I mean, Natasha Matt came in 30 days late because of her injury, so she missed a few games. Kennedy Leonard, who is our star point guard, um, missed, I want to say, a week or two due to her ankle, and we had some pretty tough losses during that period, ones in which we believe that having her at the point would have really helped us. We had a one-point loss to the Hoi Ho at home, and having her um, match up with Paige Bradley just would have been a remedy for that. Uh, so we had Kennedy out and Tasha's been out. Ezra McGoldrick was out for a few games with a concussion. So Kennedy and Ezra were out for the same couple of games. Yeah, so. We had Kendall Hittemeyer's now out with the shoulder. Shana Barty's just um, sprained her MCL. Gosh, yeah, we've had, you know, a flu. Yeah, Kari Diato has just gone away and injured her ACL. So she's oh. out for the rest of the season. Then obviously we had two of our DPs. Sorry, we had three of our DPs. Four of our DPs go away to the Taiwan trip overseas that also took 
oh. head coach and assistant coach. So we've had, yeah. A lot of moving parts. <laughs> yeah, and the, I guess the unfortunate timing also happened that we lost Kennedy and Ezra and those guys all went to Taiwan. So we lost two of our starters, four of our DPs, our head coach and our assistant coach. So we had to man up and play two weeks in that kind of circumstance. And during that three weeks, Cam Wilson was our interim head coach and stepped down. So luckily, Judd Flavel, who was an absolute pro, stepped up and got us our first one of the season. But yeah, like that kind of stuff is just nothing that you can kind of prepare yourself for. Uh, everyone did really well in being adaptable. But like you say, like you take away two and three of our starters and it becomes a whole different team. And then obviously you just take away some defensive firepower against some pretty good imports. And uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty rough few weeks. I do want to say just, you know, shout out to Cam for all he's done. And I know that decision, I wasn't there, but I'm sure it wasn't easy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to step away, but I know he's done so much for the game and, you know, up in North Canterbury too. So, you know, hoping that he's able to, you know, find his passion, you know, wherever that might be. And yeah, yeah. Um, it was all love for Cam. Cam. And Depp we up. really support him and his decision. He had to do what he had to do for himself. And yeah. Yeah. I think it's also a good message, though. It's, you know, uh, take care of you, too, because if your fuel tank runs out, then you don't have nothing else left to give. And so, you know, best of luck to him, you know, sincerely. But also, I mean, Judd coming in, that's a huge <laughs> praise up. That was huge. Yeah. And to see him, he's so well known down there. And obviously, <laughs> got the Rams to, you know, to a title. With, he, so he understands how to work with the locals and his systems and you know, it was just really cool to see him involved and just have him go up there. And yeah. seeing him up in Fungarai too, which I also, speaking of Lincoln Family Tree, didn't know he was from up there. So, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, great to see. And, uh, you know, mainstay with a lot of those players too at the mainland Eagles. So, out of all the games that are remaining, if you were going to say to anybody who has, particularly people in Australia who haven't watched any of the Tawihi games, from each of you, what's the one game that you would say is the one that they have to watch out of what's left in the regular season? Could have given me some more time to prepare for this question. <laughs> um, doing my due diligence as we speak. I think I've got an answer. Go. I think they still have to play each other another time, but I would watch the Kahu versus the Queens. That's top yeah. of the table at the yeah, moment. It's September 3rd. Top of the table at the moment. And they both have some absolute class. And that could well end up being the final. Not saying it will be. There's the poor guys coming. (laughs) But I would say if you want to watch an absolute class basketball, that's a great game to watch. Anytime now, London. (laughs) (laughs) I put him on Jeopardy. Honestly, the Kahu and the Queens are going to be good. I think another one that I'm looking forward to, the Kahu and the Hoiho. Um, I think which is this coming weekend. I think if everybody's on point and back, uh, Panina returned from her sabbatical, um, so she's now back as uh, the Polakai will announce. And Ashton's back in in Amari in there in that rotation as well. I think that's going to be a good matchup. Um, also, the Polakai and the Fly. Yes. I think that's going to be, you know, depending on how the pole car looking, you know, if Kennedy's all, you know, if she's playing, but I think there's going to be a lot of factors in both those teams and there's a lot of scoring power. So I don't know, man, that first game kind of, that's still stuck with me as you can clearly tell. <laughs> so I think that's going to be one too. 
see, I always find those games, particularly where it's it's like, are we going to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs? They're the ones that I think are always really entertaining yeah. because everybody goes absolutely flat out. They leave it all on the floor. So you get to see some really interesting stuff happening. Here's, I anticipate that it's going to be real physical toward the end of the stretch, especially for the ones who are on the cusp and knocking on the door of the final four. It got me the in the five game last week. It was physical in the Rapid League, man. Like, yeah. and it translated to the Toei game. I was like, oh my God. And I'm like, well, this is just, you know, right with me. That's the final. I think the intensity is going to go up. The intensity's already been there. Yeah. But it's going to feel like it's just going to take it up. One more notch because it's playoff time. That's just the atmosphere. That's yeah. what playoff basketball is. I agree. Yeah, and once, and once you get to, streaming and pulling your hair out. Yeah, but once you get to those last few games, you know, right, once you get past the regular season, it's a full reset because everybody's coming in with a whole different attitude. Totally. And anything can happen. I mean, we saw it in the NBL One East where the Sydney Comets, who were expected to go out pretty much in the first round after the regular season, actually kept going. You know, you kind of you see the teams really step up, so anything's possible. Yeah, I think we saw that happen last year, actually. The Queens didn't have an epic regular season. I think they might have finished second or third on the table, and they actually ended up winning the whole thing. So it just becomes a whole different ball game when you get in the playoffs. And, again, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what teams are going to pull out the bag. Like, yeah, I think it's you know, nothing you can predict from now. And the Queens, too, because technically they'll be the host stadium yeah. for the finals this year. I'm interested to hear from others what that's going to be like. And knowing the Queens and the work that they do so well, they do a great job with the fan experience and the engagement and really building up the atmosphere and making it really good for fans. And so that was in regular season, they're on point. Interested to hear what people have to say for the finals. I know also... For those who are interested, there's a woman and girls hui that's happening down there in conjunction with finals weekend. So I know there's a bit of a buildup around just a conversation around women and girls in basketball in this space as well, aside from the finals. But I think the you know I think the queens are gonna have a point to prove. And like you said, Paul, it's, you know it's gonna be a complete reset after the regular season. Uh, but there's not a ton of turnaround time either. So yeah, they will see some surprises. All I can say is I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> the popcorn will be ready. <laughs> One thing that has got me curious is, with the fact that the Rapid League's giving bench players the opportunity to get real minutes, from a coaching perspective, how much more flexibility does it give you when you've got a, a bench that's got you know experience going all the way to, to the end that you can pull in if you need to in your main game? Like how much does it help having a deep bench? Yeah. Yeah, particularly. They can play both. Yeah, because, you know, those players at eight, nine, and 10 really don't get any minutes usually, mm. but they're getting lots of time in because of the Rapid League. So, how much more flexibility does it give the coaching staff to be able to know that, you know, we've got people at eight, nine, and 10, they've been playing against the other teams that we can draw on if we need to for the main game? Yeah, well, it's an absolute vote of confidence. Like, it's 
is knowing that you have players down the end of the bench that you know you can trust when they're put on, even if it is for just like a short burst to give someone a rest. And unexpected things happen. Like we say, we've had injuries or you get in foul trouble and you have to lean on some of the eight, nine, ten players. But you know you can because they've, A, like you said, played in the professional and competitive environment just prior to the game. And they've also been involved, you know, in the whole team process. So it is really nice having that trust at the end of your bench, knowing you can put them on in the first quarter and they'll perform completely fine. Like, obviously, they're not going to offer you 30 points a game off the bench. But, yeah, they're someone that you can trust and there's still a safety net, even though they are your 10th man, which is like, yeah, it's really nice having that trust down the end of the bench and also just having you know they're part of the environment so they're super hype off the bench like you can tell all the girls enjoy it some girls don't get minutes in the Tohi league but they're still the biggest cheerleaders for us so it's it's pretty cool and yeah and again like the trust is the biggest thing I'd say it seems like the vibe has been really good even if they don't play like semi the energy is still there yeah what has been really cool was I noticed that some of those younger players that you know there's maybe a little bit more confidence and if they do well in the rapidly, you know, whatever, you know, if your number's called in the Toehi game, they come on. It's unlikely they'll deliver 15 to 30 points, but they'll still contribute and they have that confidence that they can do it because they yeah. were out there previously. Yeah, and absolutely. It's just that's something outside that I've noticed this season, and it's been really cool to see, and that they're holding their own. Mm. And, and I think the rapid league gives them a good time to, like, kind of ease themselves into it, shake off some nerves, and be in that environment before they go into the Tohihi game because it can be daunting like coach puts you in and you feel cold and everything like in the Tohihi game but having that rapid league allows you to kind of warm up to it and get used to it and feel it through before you have to get minutes in the actual game. And you gotta adapt quickly just because of the rapid format Yeah, um, and you're literally warm coming off of that just because it is so fast. Mm. Oh my um, gosh yes. You know at the end of the day they're ready to contribute no matter how many minutes whatever they need to do, you know, you throw them in there and they're getting that exposure. Mm. Now, not wanting to have you give away any of your coaching secrets, but <laughs> do you find that you can put someone in from deep in the bench to basically mess up the opposition scout? Hasn't necessarily been a major focal point, but sometimes it is good to put a young in and just, I don't know. Like you say, like they obviously don't know much about them. There are random players that they can be like, whoa, who is this? Yeah. Like, I don't know who this person is. Um, and also, like, in that kind of position, they're just going to go out there and just give it everything. Like, they know that they've probably got a two-minute burst where they can just do anything they want and no one's going to think anything of it just because they are young and developing, right? It is really cool to, like, just put someone in there and they just – give everything they have for two, three minutes, do everything we ask, and then we can take them back out. I mean, it can throw the opposition through a loop. It's obviously not part of our main, no, <laughs> um, you know, attacking strategy. But, yeah, that, that's obviously, you know, we have the opportunity to do that. And, yeah, I mean, I could talk to Coach about that. We could do <laughs> a little something. <laughs> you might see me suit up in the next few games. Can <laughs> we that happen? <laughs> Please, John. <laughs> Okay, it's been great talking to you, as always, finding out more about New Zealand and the Tawihi League and what's happening there. We're really going to be keeping an eye on the last few rounds and going into the playoffs to see how it all pans out. And once the um, the season's over, we'll have to get you back and go over this last part and get your feedback on how you felt about the whole season and how things panned out and observations, thoughts, ideas, because it really is a lot of really interesting stuff happening over there. Yeah, definitely. 
looking forward to that and i just i mean it's can't believe it's we're almost to the end to be honest i know it feels like yesterday that we were tipping off and yeah i know it goes by with the blink of an eye and you know it's just obviously i enjoy it you know a lot of people do and you know wish the season was longer and hopefully we'll build up to that but you know the eight or nine rounds that we do get you know i just cherish because it's really good basketball great people in a fantastic environment right yeah it's been really cool to be a part of and watch so that might do everything I'm jealous. <laughs> oh, dream life. Okay, guys, thanks so much. And Maya, good luck for the rest of the season on the coaching staff for the Poakai. Thank you. Very appreciate it. Can't wait for the Kiwi duo to be back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.